Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an informed and expert look at the latter half of actor Nicolas Cage's contemporary filmography. On today's episode, we're watching the 2019 film Primal. Happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year. Although, uh, I think the first episode people listen to, it will be January 2020, so... That's... Is, so, yes. we just celebrated it. We just brought in the New Year. We watched the ball drop. Um, and, uh, Derek, uh, my dear friend... So, we're, we're... This is our third episode into Season 2 mm-hmm. of Contemporary Cage. Um, oh, yeah. And I wanted to ask you, do you have any... Uh, Sort of uh, New Year's resolutions involving the cage man. <laughs> Absolutely and, uh... not. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Well, I've got sort of a list here prepared. <laughs> I might, <laughs> I might, I might co-opt one now. But like, absolutely not. Was I thinking about Nicolas Cage during <laughs> my champagne and New Year's evening with my fiance? When you were planting uh, the first smitch, the smooch of the new year on your <laughs> lovely fiance, you weren't thinking about the cage man. My uh, mind was wandering. Maisie was like, "What? What's going on?" And I'm just, uh, uh, just taking in the lights, honey. And I'm frantically stuffing my phone back into my pocket uh, while I'm on browsing Nick's IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of new projects coming up in 2020. <laughs> this is why I. Uh... This is why I have to be on the show, you know, just keep everybody grounded here. It's true. It keeps an even keel. Uh, we're uh, the the yin and the yang. We need each other to get through this uh, this quest that we've set out yeah. upon. Or else we're just, you know, either a Nicolas Cage groupie or maybe part of the Nicolas Cage Inquisition. And neither of those things are going to get us where we want for this deep dive. How do you say it? How do you summarize the podcast? An expert and informed look at the latter half of actor Nicolas Cage's filmography. That's it. Um, I'm going to go. This is an actual. <laughs> I don't know if this is a New Year's resolution. It's not really a resolution as so much as a thing that uh, I will sort of like half-heartedly attempt to do if I remember. Um, but I do think now that we're, uh, you know, starting this uh, journey back up, um uh, I live in Los Angeles. We get uh, almost every movie that gets any sort of a theatrical release gets some sort of screen presence here in uh, in LA. Mm-hmm. So one of my goals, uh, I'll call it a resolution, is to see every Nicolas Cage no. movie that comes out this year in theaters, which at most will probably be like five or six. Okay. Uh, in theaters uh, in LA, a doable thing. Um, I might have to, you know, like drive out to uh, the Sherman Oaks ArcLight at some point or anything. But I, so I live in Glendale. We have a Lemily here. I, I don't know. I don't know if Primal was showing <laughs> at the Lemley. It's the main theater <laughs> of the ArcLight, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, the main. It, it had a. Uh, what is a 35 millimeter showing there, I think, uh, at the yeah. arc light. IMAX. Um, 
Okay, yes, an IMAX experience. <laughs> so that is uh, a goal of mine. And then, uh, you know what? I, I work. You know what? We're gonna kick off. We're gonna uh, just. This is gonna be uh, a little jarring for you, Derek. So hold on to your seat really quick. We're about oh. to uh, get a bit of whiplash. In order for me to talk about uh, or continue talking about my resolution, we got to get into another segment really quick, guys. It's time for Cage News. I don't know why I uh, we made the sound. I do have that sound. Oh, you have <laughs> sound a... effect that I can plug in. But uh, okay. well, yeah, we're going all. Um, well, you left a pregnant a pause, and I just felt like. Well, yeah, you know. to drop the clip in. Well, now you can drop <laughs> us in. Yeah. Um, so uh, a little bit of news. Two New Year's stories, one relating more to the cage man uh, and one relating to my personal resolution. Uh, this is from The Insider. Nicholas Cage celebrated the New Year in a tiny village pub in England, and he bought the locals drinks. And we've, oh. got, a nice, we've got a nice selfie of, uh, of Cage looking pretty drunk. Derek, I'll send you this. Um, uh, hanging out with a couple of... Uh, British townies having a having a laugh bringing in the new year the 55 year old movie star uh, surprised Somerset residents not only by wandering into Tramway's social club but also by buying people drinks uh, there's a couple pictures of him celebrating um, just having a real jolly good time being uh, a great sport how fun is that it's not you know I it makes it, I hope it's not like sad. I mean, like it's really nice and sweet, but to just like stumble into a room full of strangers and hang out with them on New You're Year's. You're saying like he might not have. People. Yeah, like why? Why is that his plan? Like, doesn't he have a son or, or friends or, or like? Yeah, like, I know because he's he is. not. He's not doing it like a publicity stunt. It seems like he's just genuinely being a nice guy, but like. He's just kind of alone and befriending strangers on New Year's. It's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like kind of two ways to process this story. One is uh, maybe he was on location shooting one of his films. Mm. He was away from family and friends, mm -hmm. and he's like, hey, I'm just going to stop and be around some people. Uh, that's sort of the optimistic. And then there's also, I know that he's, uh, if not divorced, going through kind of a messy divorce right now mm. uh with a person i think he was married to for four days maybe three days wow. uh, <laughs> and then also uh yeah he uh i i don't know uh how close he is to his son um he's so, doing something interesting with his beard these days he really is and and we'll get into uh some beard talk in the movie too uh, i don't know mm. if you had the same observation that i did but there's some very interesting stuff going on <laughs> in the movie primal with nikki's beard yeah um but anyway so that's a nice uh sort of a feel-good story uh nick's out there he also if you see in the first picture, the giant picture, he's wearing a leather jacket with a werewolf silhouette that says Happy Halloween on it, <laughs> <laughs> which is very, very funny. Maybe it has uh, something to, to do with wearing. what he's filming. Maybe he's doing a little teaser Easter egg. Oh, maybe. Maybe uh, come Halloween, we're going to get a release, and this is just uh, a bit of uh, costuming. That American Werewolf in London or something. Remake. Oh, wow. 
Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, that's great. And then uh, our next piece of news, uh, a more local story. A Holly, the Hollywood Theater is uncaging Nicolas Cage by screening a series of his earlier films. So the whole month of January. Do you know the Hollywood Theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they are showing... Um, Basically, every weekend, they're doing three... Or no, is this... Yeah, basically every weekend, they're going to be screening a different uh, uh, Nicolas Cage movie. And by the time you're hearing this, listener, uh, the month might be over, getting close to over. It'll probably be late in the month when you hear this. Um, but yeah, I, I might... Uh, going back to my personal resolution, I'm definitely going to go check out some of these. They're, they're airing Raising Arizona and Wild at Heart. They're basically doing the inverse of what we're doing mm -hmm. all of his like early baby face cage because well, they're stuff. not they're not masochists yes and then this uh okay getting back one of the reasons why i brought this up uh his first new film of the year of 2020 mm. uh will be premiering at the end of this uh little festival or month of cage uh color out of space which we mm. watched the trailer for i think uh, last episode or the episode before that, mm -hmm. uh, and there's going to be a Q&A with the director. Is that right? Yeah, Q&A with the director uh, and maybe Cage. It says director, though. So I might go to that. I might yeah. uh, try to get press credentials for Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Get some like good live stream, maybe, or, or get some yeah, vid get for some us footage. to play. If you're able to talk to Cage, you got to have just have a recorder going all the time. I want to hear it. Absolutely, I will wear a wire. No, I'll bring, uh, <laughs> I'll bring uh, a Zoom and see what I can do. Um, so that's uh, Wednesday, January 22nd for Color Out of Space. If you're in the area. Yes. Um, yeah, very cool. That'll be that'll be fun. I like I like uh, you know anything that's keeping the the good word of the cage man alive. The cage culture. I am a fan of it. I wonder um, how well that movie is going to play after three weeks of watching all of his <laughs> best films from his early career. Yeah, I mean it's you know the trailer didn't look great. We came away oh. from it feeling a little pessimistic about uh, how that movie will turn out, but. There's, you know, some of the per, the production companies involved. I know that it was produced by the same people that did Mandy. So yeah. maybe, maybe it'll be interesting. Who knows? Um, but that'll do it for Cage News for today, uh, Derek. Um, some good stuff. Some good stuff, yeah. Some fun stuff happening uh, and, and recent, you know. The Cage Man is in the news. Um, all right, but uh, moving in to our review of this week's movie. This week we watched Primal, the 2019 film directed by Nick Powell about a big game hunter for zoos. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a big game hunter for zoos. He, he, that's true. He he's kind of works on He's like a black spec. market exotic yeah. animal uh, oh dealer. Oh my god. The morality around <laughs> the capture of animals, uh, they, they like, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay, but he's a big game hunter for zoos who has booked passage on a Latin American shipping freighter with a fresh haul of exotic and deadly animals from the Amazon, including a rare white jaguar. A, a white jag. A fresh haul. <laughs> a white jag, man. You know how much this is going to bring me? Uh, along with a political assassin being extradited to the U.S. in secret 
Two days into the journey, the assassin escapes and releases the captive animals, throwing the ship into chaos. This movie is starring Nick Cage, uh, Famke Jansen, Michael Imperioli, and Kevin Durand. Derek. Unfortunately, this movie isn't what you think it is. Um, and I'll, I'll start off just by, uh, in general, I think we're probably agreed that it's it's not very good. Mm-mm. And it's, it's, un- yeah. unfortunately, it's one of those movies where it's actually kind of lucky, like all the movies we've been talking about in this new season, we've pretty much talked about the day we watched it or the day after, but we watched this one and then Christmas and New Year's came. So we had to take a break. Um, yeah. So there was a little bit of time in between. Uh, so like, you know, some of my more really specific notes, uh, you know, I don't quite remember exactly, but it's okay that it happened for this movie because it's one of those um, Goldilocks zones in terms of a solar system where the movie is not so bad that it's it's a fun Nicolas Cage, let's get drunk and take a shot when Nick does this and enjoy the stupid parts, but it's definitely not good enough to ever watch again. It's just so middling and dated, and like overall, I think my biggest problem with it is the vocalization of a lot of the characters including Nicolas Cage himself in which their deliveries are almost like a cheesier version of um who's that guy from the mummy the hero from the mummy Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser a lot of like mm-hmm. a lot of like oh why I oughta or oh it's good very grief quippy. yeah it's a very quippy movie uh for sure and yeah. Go on. I'm 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 rambling here. No, 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 no. Uh and like initially I was like kind of excited by that to see Nick Cage the introduction that we get to Nick is he's oh, I uh, love stationed it. on a tree. Uh he has a trap set up for this white jag that no, has been You're bearing <laughs> the lead, dude. Tracking. His introduction is a slow pan up his like legs to him putting handfuls of peanuts in his mouth mm-hmm. with one hand and holding a big-ass cigar in the middle of the jungle and yeah. a magazine to establish his spine and goal of getting expensive real estate as a very important yes. part of his character. Of, of His driving motivation is to get a house on Pine Lake and then uh, have his dad like watch him in a hammock or something. <laughs> I think, it's I think, uh, really strange. Like it goes to show just how hard it is to purchase a home in this day and age, uh, in that it's like a fucking pipe dream for an exotic black market dealer. Yes. Uh, yeah. The the introduction is is ridiculous to him. But then even like more fun is like when he actually starts talking. He goes uh, to this small village in. Uh, so in just it's, it's, not indiscriminate it's Brazil, uh, Latin and, America. Yeah, is it and Brazil? it's yeah. I think it's oh, okay. It's generic Brazil with people whose accents don't sound good at all. Yeah, the accents were uh not great, which is like a weird thing because at at first my impulse is like, oh, maybe that's like a specific regional dialect that uh, I'm just not aware of, but very much the yeah, way that he was saying LA. senor uh, <laughs> was like hitting, it was hitting my ear. I'm like, I don't know no. if anyone actually speaks this way. Everybody in um, that movie, it, one of the like most 
noticeable things for me is that these are actors especially like the military presence or the locals they feel like actors really hard um yeah definitely so the the core uh of this movie is that Nick gets his white whale, which is in this movie a white jaguar, and it's finally going to provide the payday for him to get this uh, dreamed upon house on Pine Lake, which maybe is a real lake, probably not, and I'm not sure. Uh, Just like most things in the movie, it's it's generic enough to be like something that could exist, but yeah, everything in the movie is incredibly like off-brand stuff. Where you're like, oh, I guess this is like close to a boreo. I I, like. I mean, try this. It gives you kind of a suspension of disbelief that you can go along with, like especially for the fact that they're having this, you know, uh, a criminal who's like a mastermind on this boat for no reason. You can kind of right. It does honestly remind me of those '90s adventure movies where the it's like the anti-hero a lot of cheesy lines and he's got a heart of gold and like there's a lot of unspecific stuff like uh that can just kind of serve the feel of a setting almost like a disneyland ride it's like it's just the jungle you know yes yeah it's like very much of that era where it's like if we just don't use specifics in any of this like we can make a movie that isn't political Mm -hmm. isn't going to like uh, offend anyone or remind them of the real world or in any way but like we've kind of grown beyond that where we're like oh even if something is uh, non-specific we can still like pick up on uh, like certain thematic elements that might be like people might have a problem with there's like a very funny thing so uh, as an example of w- what we're kind of talking about here the villain in this movie this this uh, political assassin he's very much the like stock 80s just like criminal psychopath mm-hmm. they don't really go through much effort of being like in a day and age where it's like every villain needs to has have a justification we need to really empathize with like we have uh like media has very much shifted to let's empathize with these anti-heroes and understand their like motivations why they're doing these things this guy is like he's he's crazy <laughs> like watch out for this guy he's crazy he's mad he's like mentally like nuts um, he's not it's not as bad in that they kind of go into his background and that he was a u.s marine and like was yes. trained to be a killer and it almost has a little bit of something to say to that like uh you create a weapon and they he, they it be, they become what you like fear them or want them to be but for sure in terms of execution it, you pretty much get it as soon as you see him it, it's literally like somebody watched hannibal lecter um or is that the name of the silence of the lambs and mm-hmm. they were just like man that is so cool like he's just so like calm and collected but he's a psycho yeah. and they just kind of like generically put that onto a, a military trained uh dude and yeah he just becomes like an evil russian basically in terms of yeah his, yeah like depth yeah, he's, he's uh, yeah, they do, like, at, at a, a point, it's very much, like, shoehorned in and doesn't fit with the rest of, like, his performance, but they do very much be uh, get into a little bit of the uh, disposable nature of, like, troops, you know, like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and the way that, like, our military systems uh, will, like, do not care about, like, the individual at all. Um, and they, But that is, it is just, like, shoehorned in as kind of, like, a twisty afterthought. It doesn't really inform anything that comes before it or his performance at all, like, up into that point. Um, and th- this is uh, the, the 
villain is played by this guy Kevin Durand, who uh, very very like toothy, <laughs> like just giving this sort of like crazed smile. Uh, very quippy, also in the same way. There's like kind of a funny sequence where <laughs> uh, Nick's arguing about like the route that they're taking and how it's going to take too long and how his like animals aren't going to do well within this. And Nick is like very disgruntled, like he's a mm-hmm. very ornery like kind of old man. Uh, through in his performance uh, and then all of a sudden the uh, this like unmarked van rolls up and then these three unmarked sedans roll up and there's an exchange and uh, Famke uh, Jansen is wearing like very much like a Halloween costume uh, <laughs> like a Navy Admiral's suit it's really I feel bad for her <sighs> that uh, is so surprising everything with her in the movie in general because like I was just gobsmacked by like how awkward she was in the movie and yeah. how bad her makeup and her costumes were to where I was like, that can't be the woman I think it is. And I had to look it up on IMDb and I was like, oh my God, that it's like the woman who played Phoenix, right? In mm-hmm. X-Men. Yeah, Jean Grey. Yeah. Which we don't, you know, I'm not here. We definitely don't need to fan the flames of hyperbolic takes of like nerd culture movies of her being a bad Phoenix or whatever. But like, I do not remember her being that bad of an actor. And no, yeah. it, it's it's like some of the worst, most painful kind of awkward acting in the movie definitely comes from her. It just feels like the, <laughs> they paid for her, but they didn't like scale up the amount of money they spent on getting her to the set with like good wardrobe or direction. Or It was almost right. like she was there just to make a payday and she was just working. I could just almost feel totally. that. And I mean, it comes across in how she's, like, as you're saying, how she's utilized in the movie. She plays a Navy neurologist who, like, gets assigned to stay with this uh, this this assassin because he, when he has um, altitude changes, he's prone to seizures. It, which, like, it, it ends up being how he escapes. He fakes a seizure. But, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't factor into anything else. And, like, she's not around for it. It, 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 it very much feels like... Uh, well, we've got like a bunch of like tough guys. We got ammo hunters. We got uh, army guys. Like, what job could a girl do? Here? <laughs> and it's like it feels so like very much like out of an '80s movie. Like a, a woman has a woman has to be like a doctor or something like that. But then also like, well, what's a doctor doing here? Why do we have a doctor aboard? And then she, it's like this really shoehorned reason. She's also super high ranking military, which yeah. doesn't play at all because she often is like a damsel in distress somehow. Yeah, just doesn't have, like, isn't able to contribute to... There's, like, one, uh, like, military guy who seems like he's, like, PMC. He doesn't feel like a private military guy. He doesn't Mm. feel like... I don't know if he's a part of, like, any actual, uh, like, military organization or branch of the military. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's, like, the guy that kind of takes charge. And, yeah, you're totally right. She is very much just, like present for stuff and then is frequently in danger and has to be (laughs) saved by the cage man uh yeah it's uh, you know she i don't know but you totally hit the nail on the head like that entire performance just feels like i'm like present i'm i'm wearing these clothes i'm not happy to be here yeah like i don't really serve any sort of a purpose 
Uh, like I can feel her moving from her mark onto screen. Like it just feels so going through the motions because mm. it's such a bad character. <laughs> like, really bad character. Um, <clears throat> I, I'll say like going back to the beginning, I, I mm -hmm. have like a lot of notes from the first Me too. Like, 20 minutes yeah, of this like movie. Early. And then at a certain point, I really just like gave up for like the latter hour of the movie. I think I, I maybe took like 30% of the notes that I took in the, in the first like 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and it was, there was so much happened that then there were like every time that cage talked, I was like, Oh, are we going to get like a fun cage performance out of this? Cause mm -hmm. he is quippy in a way that is like tolerable. He's yelling. There's a, uh, like going back to that initial scene where he's in the Brazilian village, uh, they, uh, his, the person he had um, like chartered, a uh, a ride from over to the the freighter that he was going to load his animals on and then go back to um wherever he was going to sell his animals uh refuses to do it once he sees the white jaguar he's like this is mm -hmm. a, a ghost it's a bad omen we can't we can't uh do this and nick is like very f f funny uh he like <laughs> he's like loading up his animals and he's like did somebody die or something he's, yeah like, he's just reacting being... <laughs> to all of the villagers like just staring uh the scared at the animals that he had uh and uh and then he gets into an argument with a macaw who's yeah. like stealing his uh sandwich and then that's like that becomes a through line him and this bird he fed it at some point and now it's like attached in itself to him but he to like show that he has like walls up, he never. Yeah, he it's like it's the kind bird. of his embodiment of the the soft and gooey middle of his exactly of his, of his hero. That's like what the movie really tries to <clears throat> introduce him as almost like a bad guy, but like even somehow everybody kind of likes him except for antagonists. And by the end, it's very clear that the intention was to make you really endeared to him, and like. It doesn't completely fail. Like, it's not the most unlikable character he's ever been. Um, yeah. But it's definitely forced, like, uh, that he's got a heart of gold in the movie. Yeah. And there, there's just, like, fun... Uh, in improv, there's something called a mapping scene where you, uh, you take specifics from, like, another thing. So, like, for example, you might be uh, doing a scene about, like... A, someone who whose house plant died or something but you might be playing it like uh, a very very dramatic hospital drama or something there's something about him being a like a big animal hunter that feels like they took specifics from whatever perception of that world they have but like are applying it to like a military type background or like the, the the classic hero who's dragged out of retirement there's a there's a moment where he's having a conversation with uh famke jensen where he says i was i worked at eight zoos in over 10 years and it sounds and she's like reacts like he must have a problem with authority which is like such like a funny <laughs> thing that he like was like a zoo guy and now he's like this like hardened adventurer uh but it just like it doesn't really work and then also they get like they totally don't engage with the morality of like the illegal pet trade yeah. at all. If anything, like, it's like an Ace Ventura thing where it's like he's their savior and he takes care of them better than he really cares about the animals. Yeah. Well, that would be it would be so easy to switch like have him be like the uh the anti-poacher person and he like 
takes these animals mm-hmm. and it's like, oh no, these animals like are not fit for re-release into the wild. We need to bring them somewhere. But I, I think because they needed to show that he was like, like kind of a greedy person, yeah, rough around kind the of edges, a little uh, selfish. So he had to have this big payday associated with his collection of animals. But it just seemed like I don't know. It, and then as, the way that that stuff wraps up him, because he doesn't have papers for these animals, he's collecting them illegally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a hundred percent a criminal. <laughs> he, yeah, like, like a awful, mass awful criminal. criminal. Yeah, uh, which is like the illegal pet trade is like a truly atrocious thing. Like I, I work with animals uh, right now in like animal conservation and. A lot of the animals that that we deal with, and a lot of the animals that uh, like arrive to us in the worst shape, are all from the legal pet trade. We have so many birds that are like transported in poster tubes, like, and people are trying to get them onto planes and stuff like that. That are just like in terrible, terrible shape, are not able to be re-released into the wild. It's it's a like a massive problem. So for them to kind of play like he's like some a, animal you know, hero kind of an indiana jones <laughs> yeah. like ar- ar- uh, archaeologist type yeah. is just like oh it doesn't work at all and especially at the end of the movie he gets challenged on it after they help comes and they solve everything uh he uh he gets questioned he's like do you have papers someone comes up and he's they say do you have papers for these animals uh and then famke uh jansen who uh, derek was saying is like a high-ranking member of the navy says like oh they were destroyed that he you know he has a right to give these animals and she and doesn't like, say it with authority like this guy is up in nicholas's cage's face yeah being like where the fuck are the papers like i know you're an illegal poacher and then fampy just kind of like wanders over and goes oh i saw it they got destroyed like she doesn't have authority in the scene at all and it's almost like surreal how the guy reacts to her of like oh right away ma'am yeah of course like whatever you say (laughs) he is he is uh very much reacting to like script prompts instead of like his scene partner yeah i don't know Uh, if anybody even makes eye contact (laughs) in that whole scene (laughs) it's it's so ridiculous and they try to like make it nicer where he's like oh i'll um I'm going to, like, get them all to, like, a a sanctuary, you know? And it's, like, these are still, like, wild animals that you just pulled from their habitat, like, incredibly sensitive ecosystems. Yeah, super rare. (laughs) It's so sad. It's, like, and for them to try to find, like, a way to frame it where this guy is, like, morally upright is, it's just so funny. It's, like. The things that the movie focused on were a lot of, like, things that in the 90s were kind of tried and true to make a good movie you know like a a budding love interest with people who butt heads a kind Mm -hmm. of gruff uh guy who becomes the hero and is revealed to have a heart of gold and is endeared to the audience after kind of being introduced as a very flawed person and all these things that one have been done better so much in the past but also have been done so many times in the past so it's like not surprising or anything new which creates a really boring movie which is really too bad because the elevator pitch of this movie sets up for some great shit like when the animals get released it really doesn't play that big of a role yeah like the the antagonist psychopath military guy is slowly picking off people and he's the menace of the ship and the animals play like a total backseat. They have one scene where someone gets mm-hmm. locked in a room with monkeys, but like there's no, like even the, the name of the movie primal is just not anywhere in 
the the treatment of the animals being on like a I mean that should be the focus that's already super exciting and you could do some fun stuff right. although they don't really have the budget or the skills I think to work with animals as good as it would need yeah um, but the way you're totally right the like the table setting for this movie is totally fun where mm-hmm. you have essentially these like separate factions uh, of like you have this villain who's escaped you have the the animals who are running amok and then you have like this military president and then you have nick who's like very kind independent of on his own yeah uh and like the intersection of all four of those like different entities like could be really really fun and you get like a moment where uh a chef tries to like go into the kitchen and then he it's like actually like some nice setup like the, he nick was talking to a boy earlier about like uh like how vicious a monkey can be when they're needing mm-hmm. to protect their babies and then the the chef like picks up the baby because he's mad that it's like getting into his food and they all just mm-hmm. like tear him apart and it's like it's oh, a cool. very this is like what we're gonna get it's exactly movie. what you thought it would be and like it's very jumanji like you hear yeah, this movie and you jurassic think, park yeah it's yeah. gonna be like a jumanji jurassic park like su- almost like fantasy creature like or like deep blue sea or something mm-hmm. which can create a lot of interesting things with um the different factions like it does do it with the um the white jag when nick uh is uh facing the antagonist um What's his name again? The psychopath guy? Um, I don't know what the character's name is. He's played by Kevin Durant. Yeah, so he has a moment where he, like, Nick finally has the upper hand and has, like, a tranquil gun or something on him. But yeah. the white jag comes out of nowhere, and it's about to pants on either one of them. So, obviously, the antagonist is telling Nick to to put the jag to sleep, and Nick is weighing, like, the safety of the crew versus how much money he could get for the jag because mm-hmm. him and the antagonist actually have kind of an interesting back and forth in that the antagonist identifies Nick as a potential ally because Nick is a terrible person who's motivated by money given Mm -hmm. his line of work and doesn't have any loyalties to like the federal actually he hates the federal government which is like a big part hates authority so he's worked at eight zoos in 10 years (laughs) he only divulged that information after like getting drunk and having like one of those like opening up because he's drinking moments and it's like it's like this is the guy who did leaving las vegas you know (laughs) (laughs) but so they have like an interesting back and forth and Mm -hmm. ultimately it comes down to nick being the only one who can face him like basically everybody's dead and it is such a bad final showdown it is such a lame letdown i couldn't believe how poorly they handled it like it was just so not thought out like the climax is basically like from all of this, like there's been a decent amount of foreshadowing and there's been a lot of clever play between them. And the showdown comes down to the antagonist right before he gets away with everything feels like he needs to call Nick out for a one-on-one duel for no reason. And then when he gets down there, Nick is literally hiding behind some boxes and the antagonist has an assault rifle and Nick is just like popping out of the box and just like pegging him once or twice with these darts and the antagonist like just sprays the boxes and nick is in between a wall and the box and like you would just be so dead and i kept waiting for like a moment where it's like oh he's here to distract because the bird's gonna do something or because he wanted him to shoot the boxes yes and and it's just nothing it's just a shitty firefight with no good choreography for no reason and all this build is leading up to just such a lame showdown 
I it was such a miss. I couldn't believe. Yeah, it. I I was shocked when they didn't do uh, anything with the the sort of like. Um, you know, like Chris Pratt and his relationship with the Velociraptors mm-hmm. or something like that, where he was able to sort of orchestrate or he's saved by the animals in some way. But yeah, the the, the final like confrontation is so tremendously boring and just poorly <laughs> choreographed and thought out. The, yeah, it's like outside of even the uh, the like way that the movie sets sets that scene of like this is. Um, like an older trapper versus someone who is like a yeah. world-renowned assassin. Like it was super like, oh, interesting, okay. for sure. Yeah, like we could, uh, like with that, it's like, oh, okay, let's see, like their different skill sets and right. like, how that conflict would play out. But Nick it's, Cage yeah, is totally outgunned in every way unless he is smart enough to control the situation to play to his strengths, and he right. does yeah. stuff like that throughout a few of their confrontations, mm-hmm. and like. I appreciated that because I was not about to just believe that Nick Cage could go toe to toe with a trained military <laughs> assassin who's already killed tons of military men on the ship already. Yeah. But in the end, that's exactly what happens. He's just like <sighs> pegging him with darts behind a box until he yeah. like passes out and the tiger eats him. Yeah. And they have like a bit of a, like a, a knife fight in a crate arena. And it's just also like generic looking. It's, it's a tremendously boring. This movie gets so boring uh and it's like i think that the movie the drop-off happens as soon as like nick stops delivering lines essentially because there's a point like he's very very quippy throughout the uh like first 30 minutes of the movie he's Mm -hmm. a lot of dialogue from nick and, and it's like even if it's like poorly like written or like just very uh like wrote like 80s 90s action movie yeah um like type of anti-hero it's still like fun to see nick like give it his all because it's very much not the type of performance we've seen so much of in these like straight to vod action movies where he's being laconic and like reserved which like i don't love seeing nick in those roles as much he's he's trying to be fun he's trying to like play up the comedy um in here lies the distinction to which our podcast is built between him and an actor like Famke Jansen in that even though his lines are bad and his character's strange and the movie's not good, it still is entertaining enough to just let Nick act Mm -hmm. for us. And like that is admirable as an actor. And it's not something that you can really appreciate unless you dive one into his terrible modern movies and two see him in contrast with the other big star of the film who i do not slight her for phoning it in because nobody gives a shit about this movie anyway right yes but he Uh, you know nick is like the like exactly like you say the worst parts of watching him is when he doesn't have a choice but to hit his marks and be completely action focused yeah versus when he is even delivering bad lines at least it's kind of fun to watch him do it a hundred percent yeah you're so so dead on and there's like a moment um where the nick is sitting down with uh an attorney played by michael imporioli who is like one of the guys who's who's helping to transport uh the the prisoner that they have uh, in famke jensen and uh (laughs) 
he mentions like in passing uh that he like is going to sell his animal to a zoo or he's like bringing it to a zoo and uh famke says like oh my dad served on the the zoo mm-hmm. on the board of the san diego zoo and he's like oh very cool who's the asshole in the cage like without, <laughs> without like missing a beat and it's such and it's such like a good illustration of like oh like he is he is he is like elevating work i'm sure that's like yeah. not the direction that he got and then she's just like doing exactly like the job. She's just like going mm-hmm. through the motions. I'm I'm delivering my lines. I I'm I'm sure she received no input or direction in her characterization that should have like that would have informed her to do anything other than just be like I'm gonna do this. And she also isn't given anything fun. Nick is given some yeah. Fun that's lines. that. To be fair, uh, yeah. If their roles were switched and Nick had to bring life to her character, it would probably be much harder to do. Definitely, she's given so so very little. But it's uh yeah it's just <laughs> and then like it is just so funny because like they're they're the. Michael Emporioli's character like goes from uh, being like it's all t- very very top secret, and then after like <laughs> Nick is just a little rude to them for a second, he's like, "Okay, we'll tell you this guy's whole story." Love and, this like, guy. What's Listen going up. <laughs> on. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's wild. Um, let me see. Do we, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to our final thoughts? I mean, like honestly. It kind of ruined my weekend. <laughs> like, it, I was excited, you know, because even the bad ones, it's like, here I go. And the beginning, like we said, had some... I mean, I was tipped off immediately in that uh, this movie had budget because there was mm-hmm. a lot of helicopter and a lot of crane. And yes. it became very clear that these helicopter and crane shots were happening so often to establish the fact that we have a helicopter and a crane and we should fucking use it. And that is such a bad, like, omen for a movie. Like, the reason why the helicopter shot in the beginning of The Shining is so iconic is because it's, like, the only one in the movie and it serves such a specific purpose in terms of the storytelling and foreshadowing of the story. Whereas this movie just shoves a bunch in the beginning. You can see the extras on the ground floor and you can feel the bare bones choreography because people are so much more interested in getting a fucking helicopter in the air and like measuring their dicks with their like production value in that way. Um, But even that part was the most fun part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. That's a good point. I I, I didn't even think about that. Um, But you, but you're right. There is like, there's certain stuff like in the, in the front half of this movie that's like, Oh, there's like some money in play here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one thing that I well, I wanted to ask you, I alluded to this earlier when we were chatting about Nick's beard. His beard length, he, I think he shaved it at some point because he goes from mm. uh, a much darker, much like fuller at the very, very beginning of the movie. And it's not full, but it's uh, you, you it's can tell that he has stubble. a beard yeah. to having stubble and then f- flips back and forth. And uh, <laughs> just the continuity. It's uh, just a lack was, of polish in general. Because yeah. I don't think, you know, he's going to care enough to look at himself in the mirror and be like, oh, I don't want this to affect this film right, at all. And yes. I want to dedicate, you know, like, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I know that that happens. And, you know, that's not like a, re- a reason to shit on a movie. But it is just like funny to be like, oh, yeah, like in these alternating scenes back to <laughs> back and forth, he has different uh, fluctuating fluctuating beard lengths. The whole movie um, just reminds me of like 
if this is a really generic, see if you can follow me, but like you pay for quality when you get things from like a store, but once in a while you'll see something that looks just as good as the real thing and maybe mm. smells just as good as the real thing. And you're like, it's probably not quite as good, but for half the price, this is great. I can pretty much get what I, but then you start using it and you realize the subtleties in which I'm never going to buy this again. Like there's a reason right. why there's just a polish to things. The that corners that were cut are like mm -hmm. become very obvious to you. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's this movie. And now I, I don't want to ever talk about it again. Um, okay. Uh, let's give our closing thoughts and then we can put it behind us. Um, Derek, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah. I'll say that you kind of changed my mind a little bit about the vocalization. I hated it, but, um, I definitely feel like other things are much worse now <laughs> given our <laughs> discussion. And then that actually can live. Um, yeah. I would say to our fans or not our fans, but Nikki's fans who listen to this, uh, you can skip this one. It's not fun enough, even though the the misleading um, title and synopsis might believe, lead you to believe. This is why you listen to our podcast. Like, we'll let you know the crazy shit where Nick gets to go off and be crazy in bad movies, but this isn't one. Um, it's just bad. It's just bad. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll buy the like off brand product and use it for a while and <laughs> ruin <laughs> ruin our lives so that you guys don't have to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what do you want to? Good. 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 Bad. 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 Derek hit it with a bad. Bad. Surprisingly, um, though, which we'll get into in a second. Having said all of that, I know for a fact that it's not at the bottom of the list. <laughs> oh no, certainly not. Um. Yeah. So that's sort of how I, I, a lot of what you just said mirrors how I feel about it. That that first half hour of the movie, I was like, oh, this is this is good bad territory. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, Nick sure. is being fun enough. He's getting enough screen time. Uh, I'm in, I'm enjoying his performance and his quippiness. I I like. You know, it, getting if he <laughs> it, this would be so much more of a fun movie if he liked his animals, if he liked it, if he had interactions, the the interaction that he has with Einstein, his parrot, when he, the parrot is stealing his <laughs> his sandwich is so funny because he is arguing and trying to reason with it like it's a real person. And it comes off like he he's a guy who respects animals, but he, he doesn't like them. Uh but he, uh, it is such a cage moment that like honestly yeah. look that up on youtube because that is worth checking out yeah if this like hits streaming services definitely watch the first like 10 or so minutes but um, i do want to say before you give your bad bad which i yeah. know that's what it is <laughs> i had to pay like seven fucking dollars for this oh movie. i know me too and to spend money on it and <clears throat> there were so many reviews of people who bought it and streamed it and rented it. And I was so surprised, like, out of all the media that's going on right now, you're going to go into a deep dive into an obscure Nicolas Cage movie that just came out and spend seven American dollars on streaming it for a day? And they were all, yeah. like, level complaints, too. They were just like, uh, feels kind of generic, not as fun as I wanted it to, regret the purchase. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so wild because I feel like, Usually when you're going to spend that amount of money on a movie, like you're going to have like some awareness of what it is. There's going to be some element present where you're like, I'm pretty sure that I'll like this. Or you it's know, like, like, oh, it just won the Academy Award. I might as well check right. it out or something. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, yeah, after that first ha half hour, it becomes like a real slog, uh, just like no fun at all. All of the action stuff. There's like weird ultra violence in this movie that doesn't really fit tonally uh, that mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, I don't like 
they, they're just they don't um and it's like all stuff that they could communicate just but um they don't have like the nuance of of like a filmmaker to omit certain stuff to sort of allow the like you know your imagination to be like oh man i'm sure that this person getting like ripped apart by uh monkeys is is like a really vicious thing but they're like mm-hmm. oh we're gonna show it and we're gonna show this person like this criminal biting this guy's fingers off in, in like and it's just like kind of grim and and uh tonally uh dissonant from the rest of the movie that like kind of rubbed me the wrong way yeah. um, especially but yeah, con- the- considering the fact like you said the uh like the understanding of this villain is almost like how a child would understand a villain yes in that like uh-huh. you can really uh just go with the flow with it because you're like oh it's about or like the idea that nick is like a- an animal guy who's a good guy it's like that makes sense to me like because i'll just take him at face value and some of the quips being also I think would land better with much younger audiences to yes. mix all that with the the hyper violence as you very well put that it leaves not enough to the imagination so it's just done for it's just bad direction Keep yeah going. totally um yeah like we brought up Jurassic Park earlier and there's like so many great moments of omission in Jurassic Park and then like when they do have like a more gory scene it's like it's so so specific it's so precise obviously Jurassic mm-hmm. Park is uh, a great, <laughs> great movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is a bad, bad. I mm-hmm. wish that they had just get, like not front loaded it so much with like the fun stuff and were able to keep a more even keel. Because I think that you know th- there's a version of this movie that totally works and could be like a minor cult classic, and or it's at so least, like a favorite for us. It's so silly that you say front loaded with the good stuff because all that <laughs> stuff. Silly. Like leading up to the ship is stuff where I'm like, okay, now I'm getting to the movie. Now that we've right, gotten the, totally. the good stuff good should be loaded in the fucking death boat in the middle of the ocean with all the animals. Like, yes, which makes it even doubly disappointing because yeah. it's like, oh, cool. We're having like, we're, we're setting the stage in a way that's like at least enjoyable. And now we're about to get to like the fun stuff. Dude, I wanted, I, w- I so wanted like Nicolas Cage to kind of like realize the only way he was going to overcome this assassin was to kind of. I imagined like a trippy section where maybe he took some tranquilizers or something and he's just hanging out with wild animals and like brushing them with his hands and just like getting and then like getting some like black stuff under his eyes and like becoming the beast. Primal. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's what we all want. Come on. This thing writes itself. Yeah, well, this movie blew it. Um, Okay, so it gets two bad bads from Mm -hmm, Derek mm -hmm. and I. Now we have uh, a segment that you guys all know and love. This is cage match. Um, Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Uh, a ranking as of now, and I need to read it every episode, as, <laughs> even though it's getting longer and longer, is Mandy, Joe, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, Dog Eat Dog, National Treasure, The Book of Secrets, Stolen, Outcast, Ghost Rider, Pay the Ghost, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and Knowing at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, okay, two things right off the bat before I yeah. forget. One, I just want to say for the record, I totally stand by our ratings, but I do like Joe better than Mandy after thinking about it, but wow. I'm totally fine with Mandy being on top. Secondly, my initial thinking is the feelings of torture and frustration I got around Pay the Ghost and Ghost Rider is seeming where this is living for me right now. Mm. Some, somewhere in that Pay area. Pay the Ghost, Ghost Rider. I mm-hmm. think that it could... Yeah, I'm totally with you. I might 
yeah, I don't know if it is closer. I, I would either put it between Outcast and Ghost Rider or between Ghost Rider and Pay the Ghost. I'm not sure if it's better or worse than Ghost Rider. So I'm thinking worse. The, it's a hard argument to make because uh, in if every case, because Pay the Ghost is 100% a worse movie, but because mm. it's so bad, it might be more fun to watch. Mm, um, that's true. You know, but like, should we rate it on that? Because if we're just saying whether it's a good movie or not, you know, it, it's not even really a comparison. I mean, I really fucking hated Ghost Rider, but yeah, I think that's a little subjective and I could live with it in between under Ghost Rider, but above pay the ghost. It's hard because once you start thinking about the individual elements, because I think that you get a better Cage performance in this movie than you do Pay the Ghost, for sure. I don't know. Cage had some fun moments in Pay the Ghost. Like, I respect... <laughs> really going to bat for... <laughs> I know, my God. I hate that one. No, well, like, I respect Cage's performance more in this one. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, very memorable. I mean... That's true. Outcast 2, I can't believe it's See, this is the thing. We have to be consistent Outcast is really because bad. but the thing is, Outcast had was basically the reason it was bad is because it was directed by a fight choreographer. So, the fights are cool, but right. the movie That's sucks. That's true. So, even though Outcast has cool fights and there are parts of it that we enjoy because of that aspect, that doesn't mean it gets any higher on the list because the overall movie is bad. So I Outcast think Outcast is kind of the inverse uh, of this, where it's like, oh, there's some like fun story elements, some fun character elements, but the action is just such an abhorrent thing to watch. It's so poorly it's uh, choreographed. Um, I uh, I will say I will give it. I will give Ghost Rider, even though I don't like Ghost Rider. Uh, I will let go of some of my subjectiveness with that. It's still bad, but I think. This movie is worse than that. I do too. Locking that in at least. Yes. So it's and that, either that movie has Sam Elliott in it, it can't which be is that cool. Bad. Yeah. And there's like, isn't he like eating jelly beans out of a martini glass or something? Yeah. So that's yes. cool. Oh, that is true. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, uh, so so it's it's either better than Pay the Ghost and Outcast or better than Outcast, right? I think it. Oh, I think it is better than pay the ghost i think it is too because there are moments in pay the ghost that like this movie has bad directing but there are moments yeah. in pay the ghost where it's like are you still in film school like what the right. hell is this like at least yeah, this truly, guy like, did a comprehensible this guy did a mediocre movie through and through and it's not very good but pay the ghost has some truly uh, like just no craft at all so i feel okay. good about that I'm going to lock it in. Uh, it is sitting in the number four worst contemporary cage movie. I can't believe Out movie. Outcast must have been so bad if we did pay the ghost above it. That's crazy. No, 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 no. Outcast is. So it, Outcast, Ghost Rider, pay the ghost. Oh, Outcast, then Outcast Ghost Rider. Outcast is better Rider. than Ghost Rider. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. And then pay the yeah. ghost. So this is Outcast, Ghost Rider, Primal. Primal. Pay the it's ghost definitely pay the ghost line. is the tier mark like if it yes. that's the shit of the shit and then there's the big middle and then there's the three big boys up top yes that's true oh man and those three big boys also i could re-watch i kind of want to re-watch doggy doggy dog, dog. <laughs> yeah it's not bad <laughs> a revisit i feel like my opinion because that was our first ever episode really 
uh, I think that our uh, feeling, which is such a, that's such like a, because we weren't anticipating it being that type of a movie. I wasn't anticipating I it being anything. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, the okay, intro, but, uh, the intro to that movie also is really, really good. I love the intro. I mean, Will Defoe. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. it's so it, it like uh, I mean, if you want to like talk about a movie that has like really like just uh, sticky like imagery and like uh, emotional like tonal stuff like that that opening sequences it really really sat with me for a long time yeah, i feel good about um, it i'm surprised how much i remember from these yeah i know there i mean there's like stolen is maybe the one i remember the least of yeah that's one of the ones <laughs> i think i remember as being uh it's so bad but it's a good one for like a party yes totally yeah um okay uh so or no, we're not. We're not. Okay, hold on. Now we have another segment. This is a new segment, Derek. Yeah, you saved this for the end because it's a little bit of an experiment. It's it's a little different. I'm not sure quite how this is going to turn out. Neither um, am I because I know nothing about what's about to happen. So this is a little segment that we're going to call Cage Call. <laughs> and what we're going to do is I have... Um, <laughs> The number of no. the I have the number of Nick Cage's uh, publicist company. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold this on. This is hold an on. Av- this is an available number. Should we um, shoot our load so quickly though, David? What I'm trying well, to say is, what if we give a call to action to our listeners this new season? Yeah, that maybe we should get as much momentum behind this podcast as possible. And if we come through with everyone who listens sharing with a bunch of people and we get like a good amount of notoriety, not real notoriety, but just enough to just to say like, yeah, just to say like, oh, we could at least give these people the time of day for a moment and then call his publicist's company. I think that we should uh, be persistent. (laughs) That's my strategy. Because I think that... It, get our name on file. Get our. I'm gonna be okay. uh, very, very pleasant, uh, and you're right. welcome to coach me. I'll, I'll, I'll have it on speakerphone. Um, but I think that we'll call. We'll let them know what big fan. The, you know, we'll let them know about the show, uh, what big fans we are of his contemporary work, um, and just be like, hey, is, uh, is is there any way that we could uh, talk to him? <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. Here's what I think. Number one. Mm-hmm. I think you got to be pretty um, concise and yeah. thoughtful about explaining who we are right off the bat. Yes. Uh, of like, based in Glendale, we host um, Contemporary Cage, an exploration of his work or whatever. Just sound professional and like mm-hmm. you do this Film all critics. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I think saying that uh, obviously we're huge fans uh, and it's been great getting to know him through his huge library of work. We were just yeah. reaching out. Yeah, I think we have to sound like we're we belong in the space that we're occupying. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been taking these improv classes and living in LA. I think it's all been coming to this point. Yeah, let's see how well I can perform. Uh, let's let's do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna ring up Annette Wolf, Nicholas Cage's publicist. Oh. <clears throat> Hi, 
Hi there. Um, this is David Tress. I'm uh, a host of a, uh, a podcast called Contemporary Cage, uh, and we on the podcast uh, with my co-host Derek Smith, we review uh, Nicholas Cage's contemporary movies, his newest movies. And I know that this is uh, the public uh, Annette Wolf's publicist company. Is that right? Uh, yes, but we don't rep Nicholas Cage anymore. Oh my goodness! <gasps> when did that happen? Oh, before you got so. How long have you been there? Uh, September. September. Okay, so some point uh, in yeah. Okay, but before September. Uh, right, but um, I can tell you who his new PR firm is. That would be wonderful. Um, it's Slate PR. Slate PR. Um. Okay. Uh. Did you and where they when located? you were uh. When you uh, were working there after, after, so you started after Nicholas had left. Uh, did you hear any fun stories about Nick? Uh, anything that you could divulge for us? I uh, most definitely cannot. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you for talking to me, and uh, I, I, I appreciate it. And um, I'll, I'll try to reach out to Slate. Okay. All right. Thank you. I most definitely cannot, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, I think that's about as good as that could go. We got another lead. We did. Maybe next week we'll explore a little bit of the Slate PR. Well, that was a good practice, too, because now we know uh, bringing up something like, do you have any like exclusive fun stories, is not something that a place might uh, react yes. to well <laughs> the uh the companies that are hired to protect the images of these peoples are not yeah. going to divulge fun to stories. random <laughs> podcasts uh okay well that's you know we're reaching out um <laughs> slate pr let's look them up <laughs> you should you should also if you get in touch with somebody who does represent them um let them know that you're really looking forward to the uh, interview on, on mm. the 22nd. Let them know that you're an active part and that you're supporting. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Can you orchestrate some sort of a, yeah, an interview for me or something? Yeah, or just let uh, them know. I'll be at this event. Yeah, I'm coming to this I'm event. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. And Is there any sort of uh, like a swag pack you can send to Derek and I? <laughs> yeah, do you have like um, those masks Stickers they used on The Bachelor? Like a, yeah, uh, some sort of a lanyard would be nice. Um, well, that'll do it for a cage call. Fun new segment. I mm -hmm. think uh, pretty successful. We got yeah. a lead. Yeah. Um, and uh, wonderful. So next week, Derek, yeah. we got another movie coming down the pipeline. Oh, uh, yeah. We are going to be watching the 2019 movie, another Ooh. very, very recent movie. Yeah. This one is available free on Amazon Prime. Beautiful. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, I love I love the 2018, 2019 stuff because we're starting to see a little bit of an evolution of, of the cage man. So Yeah, I was kind of wanting to because we, we did a couple movies that I I mean at least uh um, what was it called? Uh, National Treasure. That was kind mm -hmm. of a throwback almost. Um but yeah, next week's movie, Kill Chain. Kill Chain. Kill Chain starring Nicolas Cage, twenty seventeen, is available on Amazon Prime. Um yeah. Wait, it came out in twenty seventeen? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, okay. And uh it's got two and a half stars on uh IMDB. And it's uh okay. three strangers' lives are inevitably entangled in a conflict none of them are prepared for. Keep it vague. 
Yeah. He looks cool in it. He's whenever got there's some guns, sort of a weapon in his hand. Whenever there's guns with Nick Cage, yeah. it never goes well, I've noticed. If it's like a crazy metal sword or a crossbow or a lead pipe, which he's holding in the poster, that works. Mm-hmm. But as soon as somebody has a, a weapon, like a real firearm, there's yeah. either some stupid effect or it just, I don't know. So we'll see if he can pull it off this time. I've yet to be impressed with him being anywhere near firearms in a motion picture in his contemporary career. I think I'm with you. I think the, his days of, of being sort of a uh, a gun-wielding hero are past him. And I think... Uh, the lead pipe. Let's see. Yeah, that's Let's see what he could do with that. It, it looks like uh, it's got you know five out of ten IMDb, but it's got seventy nine percent like this movie uh, on Google. Ooh, so it could the Google be... audience a little more uh, favorable. Yeah, and it says initial release November seventh, Thailand two thousand nineteen. Mm. So love a Thailand release. Uh, uh wonderful so we're excited for that um you think of a resolution before we go a cage resolution a cage resolution i will um you know what i think i'm doing quite enough in terms of my energy i think that's fair that i don't need to um you know i am i will say i'm happy to be doing the show again i like talking about movies this is one of the only things i use my film degree for anymore which is <laughs> <laughs> which is great but it's you know it's nice talking to you dave and it's nice yeah. knowing that people get a kick out of something that we are diving just way too much into like i, I feel like i'm really getting so much more knowledge and insight and understanding into a random actor's career and the yes. bad movies but uh, it, that's, you know, to me, you got to keep in perspective. That's what life's about. Sometimes you can't just be, uh, we're not machines. We don't have to, uh, um, you know, be completely efficient with the way we use time. And you can just play a little bit with us here at time, contemporary cage. As far as I'm concerned, and Absolutely. we're wasting it on Big time. maybe the most noble sort of film review project that anyone's doing right now. It's the most empathetic and thoughtful, I think, since <laughs> ever. Yes, uh, it's yeah, it's us, and then those guys that watch Grown Ups too, yeah. like every day yeah. for the last six <laughs> years or whatever. <laughs> um, all right, well that'll do it. Uh, do it for us this week. Um, we'll see you guys all next week, and uh, stay cagey, y'all. Hey, hey, do it.